Good evening, Hampton Roads, Virginia, North Carolina, and internet listeners everywhere, all over the world. Welcome to this episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're tuned into WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. I am your host, Bishop Hodges, and this is the broadcast where we break down and discuss the dynamics of marriage and family relationships. It's still true, God did design and institute marriage and the family to build society on. Unfortunately, sin entered the picture and warped God's original design. The mission of Marriage and Family Clinic is to restore, build, strengthen, and perfect marriage and family relationships. Tonight, I want to share a little bit more about uh, the subject of communication. I was looking at the stats from our broadcast on iTunes. I was looking at the stats of downloads of this broadcast and a previous broadcast dealing with communication was far and away the most downloaded segment. So I thought I would hit on communication once again. You know, pretty much every marriage and family conference, every marriage and family workshop, a seminar you attend, there's going to be a session, at least one session, at least one hour, some presentation is going to deal with communication or some aspect of communication. And that's because everyone has seen the benefit of good communication and we're, 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 we're so tired of the harm brought about by poor communication. We found out that communication is such a strong key to success in any relationship, marriage, family, and any other relationship. So even when people, or even when you ask people at these gatherings, what is an important or critical element in a relationship, they always answer communication. And so tonight I thought we would go back and touch a little bit more on another angle of communication. I was thinking about tonight's broadcast and I came up with a term that I believe fits what we're going to talk about and what we're going to say to you tonight regarding communication. And that is we want to become relationship-centered communicators. We want to deal with and, and uh, share with you what I call the elements of relationship-centered communication. In the end, we want to become relationship-centered communicators. I define communication as the combination of words, sounds, silence even. Yes, silence is a form of communication. You know when people don't say anything, they're saying a lot sometimes. So the combination of words and sounds and silence, movements, gestures, body language, tones, intonation, ups and downs, all of that, the combination of all of those that we use to send and receive messages. That's what communication is. It's the combination of all of those that we use to send and receive messages. Well then, relationship-centered communication is the combination of words, sounds, silence, movements, and gestures that we use to send and receive messages that benefit the relationships that we're in. Let me say that again. Relationship-centered communication is the combination of words, sounds, silence, movements, and gestures that we use to send and receive messages that benefit the relationship. And I want to share with you the key to becoming a relationship-centered communicator. Uh, there may be a block in your marriage, in your relationship, in your family, among siblings, or a friend even. 
and you're wondering what's going on. You can't seem to get your communication together. You can't seem to hear what the other is saying. You can't seem to say what the other needs to hear. That's because your communication is not centered around what's best for the relationship. It's centered around something else. So we're going to get into that. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly, like I said, no matter what conference or seminar or workshop you go to, you're going to hear something presented about communication. And we're constantly looking for the keys to communication. And more often than not, we overlook the main key to the communication. And that is the importance of examining our own selves. The importance of examining our hearts and our minds, examining our feelings, ex examining our thoughts, our emotions, examining our thought processes to discover and deal with the hindrances and the blocks to communication that exist in us. Wherever there's a block to communication, the first question we ought to ask is, what's going on inside of me? If you really want to have communication that benefits the relationship, that's a crucial question to ask. What's going on inside of me? What is it I'm feeling? What is it that I fear? What, is, what am I thinking? What's going on in my heart? Examine yourself and see what's going on inside of you. I guarantee you, you'll probably come up with at least one block to your communication. You know, we, we have to be in touch with ourselves. If we're going to have good communication, positively effective communication, not just effective, but effective with the right effect. If we're going to have communication with the effect that we desire to have, we're going to have to be in touch with ourselves, examine ourselves. We have to know what we're after. What's driving us? What are our passions? And we need to be in control of our whole selves so that we don't begin to weaponize our communications. Yes, we need to examine ourselves and keep our communications in line, in order, building uh, uh, the relationship. We have to understand our passions, know what's pushing us, understand our drives, uh, be in touch with our motives. We need to be in control of our whole selves. If we're missing it, if we're missing self-awareness, we're liable to begin weaponizing our communication. <coughs> and what do I mean weaponize our communication? I'm talking about using communication and using the way that we relate to each other, using it in order to get the better of each other, to get the advantage over the other, to keep the other in a certain place beneath us, not ahead of us. <coughs> You know, in every relationship, we've got to be careful not to weaponize communication. You can't use the give and take, the communication that exists between you in any relationship. You can't take advantage of the other person in the relationship. You can't use a weakness that you know of, a deficiency that you're aware of. You can't, you, you know, it's pretty low down to use a fault that you know of in your mate, your neighbor, your friend, your brother, your sister, and communicate in a way that will maximize your advantage in the relationship because you take advantage of the other's fault. That's what I mean by weaponizing 
communication. And we've got to be careful. Be in touch with ourselves enough to know when I'm making communication all about me. You know, it's really true that, that, uh, that communication is utterly, critically important. It's indescribably important. And of all the things that can sink or doom a relationship, miscommunication is one. <coughs> Broken communication is definitely one factor that can sink a relationship. So we spend a lot of time learning to communicate. And when actually what we're doing is we're spending ample amount of time learning to send what we want to be re received. We learn to send messages in a way that will ensure that they are received. Yes, we spend a lot of time learning to send the message just right. I'm practicing sending the message just right. But there's something that we need to be aware of. You can send the message just right. You can get the message just right. You can communicate the message you desire to communicate. But you have to be aware of the motive behind the message. Because if the motive is crooked, you may communicate the message you desire, but get a result that you didn't desire. If the motive is crooked, you may be getting better at communicating, but you're not being a relationship-centered communicator. You're being a self-centered communicator and that means you're going to get a result that you didn't count on and certainly you don't desire we spend a lot of time learning to send the right message i'll say that again but how much of our communication is motivated out of a desire to satisfy our own needs our own whims our own agendas our own desires how much of our learning about communication, how much of our uh, uh, reaching out in communication is all about getting what we want out of the deal. In all of our learning to communicate, we learn how to communicate in a fashion that helps us make sure we get what we want. We learn to read people. We learn to pick up on messages inside of messages. We learn to detect the message under the message. We learn to read body language and all of this, not so that we can make the communication better, not so that we can make the relationship stronger. Unfortunately, too often we're learning all of these techniques and tactics so that we can make sure that we're getting what we want out of the relationship. We want communication that benefits us. So because we're so busy getting what we want, we leave out an important part of the communication. And that is hearing and receiving, feeling and being sensitive to the one that we're in relationship with. Wow. If communication means anything, if communication is important at all, Communication is the way that we're going to hear and we're going to receive and feel and we're going to grow and become sensitive to the needs and the desires of the one that we're in relationship with. As a result, we often end up in arguments and don't even remember what we're arguing about. Why? 
because we are in self-centered communication mode. All we know is I'm not getting my way. I'm not getting my needs met. I'm not serving my agenda. We're not achieving my desired end. So we end up in arguments. We end up falling out. We end up uh, uh, arguing over small things that don't even matter. Sometimes when I'm talking about communication, I'll use the example of a husband and a wife sitting on the couch at home watching TV. And there goes a little creature running across the floor. The wife says, that's a mouse. The husband said, that's a rat. And then they begin arguing over whether or not it's a mouse or a rat. You don't ever listen to me. Well, you don't say nothing worth hearing, you know. So, so they end up arguing over something that didn't even matter. The argument is because they feel so fearful of not being heard that their communication style is all about making sure that they're heard, making sure that they're felt, and it never enters into their motivation. It never enters into their mind. It never enters into their heart. It never becomes a part of their agenda to meet the needs of the other. All they know is I'm expending a lot of energy to make sure I'm heard and I get my needs met. That's all self-centered communication. But we really want to be relationship-centered communicators. Listen, when you're consumed with your needs and wants, it's hard to have a conversation even about serious things. When all you can you 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 concerned about are your needs, your wants, your agenda, your desire in when you're consumed with that, when that's what you're concerned with, when that is your agenda, you know, it's just difficult to talk about things. You 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 can't even talk about something that bothers you. You don't have conversations about things that really matter. Because you know once you start getting serious, it may degrade into an argument. And we can get so consumed by our own needs and wants until the needs and wants of the other person in a relationship, they're so far off our radars that the other person's needs and wants don't even register to us. We're all consumed with us. It's all about me. And you need to watch it. You need to be careful. All right, let me pause momentarily just to give you a station break here. You're listening to us on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. You can also find us at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. Email us, send me an email, cdhodges at hotmail.com or inbox me on Facebook. You can find me, Bishop Carl Hodges. Let me know if you're listening to us. Let me know if you're hearing us. Let me know if we're doing you any good. Uh, let me know if you got a topic you would like for us to discuss. And definitely, by all means, feel free to send me a question or two. We're going to deal with questions and answers every now and then. But whatever you do, reach out to us. Let me know that you're listening to us as we come on. We really want to know that we're doing some good here. All right. So tonight we're talking about becoming relationship-centered communicators. And it requires coming out of yourself, examining yourself. And getting delivered from seeking your own agenda, your own whims, and communicating in a way that serves your needs and your needs only. You know, and, and right about here, I'm reminded of our five guiding principles of marriage success. And those guiding principles actually work in any relationship. You remember them seeking God's kingdom as your chief goal. Let love and grace rule. Pursuit of self-awareness and growth are imperative. All of those. 
And, and for you married folks, marriage is glorious as a result of sacrificial love, work, and commitment. And, and, and then importantly, I get my needs met by meeting my spouse's needs. And you can take that axiom into any relationship. When you're in a relationship with someone, you want that relationship to be meaningful and fulfilling. Remember these guiding principles. Remember that you can get your needs met when you meet the needs of the one in whom you're in relationship with. I guarantee you, if you consistently incorporate these guiding principles into the various areas of your relationships, it's going to help you build something strong, something long lasting, and something that is definitely fulfilling a long, long time. But listen, no matter how good your communication may be, if your communication flows out of a twisted, self-serving motive, you'll always achieve destruction rather than construction. You'll never get what you're looking for. As long as your communication is flowing out of a twisted, self-serving motive, it's never going to be what you're looking for. It's never going to be what you want it to be. It's never going to be what you dream about. Relationship-centered communication means that the totality of sending and receiving messages is formed and framed in and around consideration of the other person, and it's about the desire to meet their needs, not only my needs, but basically actually putting their needs before my needs. That's what relationship-centered communication is all about. I'm receiving, I'm sending, I'm getting messages for you, I'm sending messages to you. And one of my chief ends, one of my chief goals is to get your needs met as well as my needs. Relationship-centered communication is all about pursuing the win-win. Not just how can I win, but how do we both win? How does the relationship win? How do we build something beautiful, strong, long-lasting? How do we build something that would be an example for others? You do that through relationship-centered communication. You ask yourself the question, what's good for the relationship? You know you got to discuss a touchy subject this evening. What's good for the relationship? You know you got to deal with something uncomfortable. What's good for the other person? And your communication, your sending and receiving, your communication is constructed around the answers that you get when you honestly, lovingly, patiently, mercifully, kindly, genuinely deal with those questions. What's good for the relationship? What's good for the other person? The answer to those questions, construct your communication around those. Watch things change in your life. You can't, and, and, and what I'm talking about tonight, you can't just do it because you decide to do it. You're going to have to work on you. There's going to have to be some work on you that you must do. Becoming a relationship-centered communicator, listen folks, it's not for the weak at heart. It requires significant courage. You got to put energy into it, time into it. You got to be steadfast consistently. You got to approach it with some enthusiasm. It's what I'm talking about tonight. You probably picked up on it already. Have you? It's not an easy thing to do. You got to put your whole heart, your whole mind into it. 
But uh, in order to help you, in order to help you, I, I, I want to share with you six practices that will help you become a relationship-centered communicator. Six things, six ways, six practices, six principles that will help you become a relationship-centered communicator. Now, you ought to know by now, I'm getting so much of this stuff from the Bible. So I'm going to share with you some things that I see in the Word that will help you become a relationship-centered uh, uh, communicator. Uh, uh, these six things. First of all, the first one, listen more than you speak. Listen more than you speak. James 1.19 from the Message Bible, and I'm going to read from the Message Bible tonight. James 1.19 says, Lead with your ears, follow with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. If ang anger has to accompany you in your communication, make it straggle way far in the rear. All right? I, I, I don't know where it came from, but it's true nonetheless. We have two ears and one mouth so that we can do twice as much listening as talking. That is so, so very true. And it may even be a good idea to do three times as much listening as talking. Listening for the other's needs and their interests, their concerns, their fears, their desires. You've got to be able to pick up on this and that requires way more listening than talking. If you're really going to have genuine interest in the other, you're going to have to do way more listening than talking. You're going to have to try to accurately interpret what the other is sharing with you before you can start running off at the mouth with your answers. We've got to learn how to listen without putting our thoughts together, without putting our responses together, without putting our feedback together prior to the other person finishing a thought. Lead with your ears. Follow with your tongue. Listen three times as much as you talk. So first one, listen more than you talk. Second principle, will to stop it. There's some things that you're just going to have to make up in your mind. I'm not going to do it anymore. Ephesians 4 and 31 says, make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. There's just some things that you're saying in the relationship. There may be some things that you're doing. There may be some things, some ways that you have of communicating. You know what you're attempting to achieve in those ways. The way that you ignore, the way that you turn your back, the way that you go silent, the way that you shut down and shut up, withdraw and avoid, the way that you overpower, the way that you shout, the way that you raise your voice. And, and some men are good for that. They're going to outvoice and, and outvolume their wives. And, and some wives are, are, are feel compelled to shut down. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to make a clean break with those types of behaviors. You're going to have to will to stop it. I will to stop. I will stop it. I'm going to cut it off. We don't have to give into our fears, pains. We don't have to give into our lust. Don't have to give into anger. We do not have to give into our past hurts. We don't have to give in to anything else. We need to deal with all that in our secret closets and not pass it off to the person with whom we're in relationship with. Don't pass our fears off to the other person. Don't pass our pains and hurts off to the other person. 
Don't pass our likes and dislikes off to the other persons. Will to stop it. Will to stop it. Wow. Deal with yourself and will to stop it. The third one. Don't lie. <laughs> that sounds simple enough. Don't lie. Colossians 3 and 9 says, don't lie to one another. It's that. It's just that simple. Why would you lie to someone you love? Why would you lie to someone you're in relationship with? You're done with that old life. Lying to the one that you're in relationship with, that is truly a self-defeating exercise. That is an exercise in futility. It's self-defeating. It's self-destructive. You can't build on it. You can't build a strong foundation. You can't build a strong building. You cannot lie. Don't lie to each other. And before you stop lying to each other, you're going to have to stop lying to yourself. Don't lie to one another. And you know, all the times we do more than lie about where we've been when we leave the house or lie about what time we left work or, or lie about other things. You know, we lie in our heart by trying to deceive and not telling the whole truth. Be honest. Be truthful. Don't lie to one another. That is so old and outdated. And every one of us knows that once you lie and get caught in a lie, you're going to have to tell a lie to get out of the lie and tell a lie to get by that lie. And pretty soon, before you know it, you forgot where your lies ending and where your lies are going. And that's why we can detect when one another is lying. We work so hard and we spend so much energy trying to keep up with the lies that we start sweating, we start shaking, we start fidgeting, we start skipping sentences, skipping words, blurring words, everything else. We're working to keep up with the lies. Don't lie to one another. Tell one another the truth. And while you're telling one another the truth, don't make each other read your minds. Don't make your spouse read your mind. Don't make the person you're in relationship with read your mind. Tell the truth. Just tell the truth. All right. Uh, the fourth principle, speak the truth in love. Not only will we stop lying, but speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4 and 15 says, God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. Tell the truth in love. Well, what's the difference in don't lie and speak the truth in love? You know, there comes a time when you're going to have to deal with some serious matters. There comes a time when you're going to have to have a deep, serious discussion about some things. Some things come up that they just might cause pain when you have to discuss them. You know that. You know it's going to be uncomfortable. You know you're not going to like it. Listen, that is not the time to try to get the advantage. Remember, don't weaponize your communication. That is not the time to try to make sure that you come out on top. When you have those deep, serious things that you're going to have to discuss, you know they're likely to cause pain and you're going to have to deal with that. You need to work on speaking the truth, but make sure that it is so full of love that you don't risk run the risk of really causing damage to a soul or damage to your mate or your partner's spirit. 
Speak the truth in love. You know, it, it's not a bold soul that can just stand up and blurt out anything that they want to. We've got to understand how to take care of one another. And that doesn't mean water things down and sugarcoat it. It means you care so much about the one you're in relationship with. I'm not going to let things come out of my mouth just any kind of way. I'm going to fix it so that it builds up. I always remember how on, on the Andy Griffith show, uh, 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 Andy Griffith, Barney would always get himself in trouble. But Andy never would tell Barney the straightforward truth. He would always fix a situation where Barney came out looking good. Now, again, we're not going to lie, but we're seeking that win-win because we want to be relationship-centered communicators. So we're going to speak the truth in love because we want the one with whom we're in relationship with to come out looking good. And then the next principle is confess your faults. James 5 and 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and heal. You've got some issues. You've got some problems. You've got some matters going on inside of you. You've got some toughnesses. Come on out of denial. You have to accept the fact that you do have some issues. You got some hurt. You got some disappointment. You let each other down. Face it. Confess it. Come on out of denial. Confess your faults to each other. Admit when you're wrong so that the healing can begin. And the last principle I want to get with you. I'm running out of time here. Just a few seconds left. Let me share this with, with you. Make kindness your business. In your relationship, make kindness your business. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, be gentle with one another. Sensitive. Forgive one another just as quickly as God forgave you. Don't wait on the other to reach out. You initiate the reaching out. Be kind to one another. Give a gift. Share a compliment. Quit waiting on kindness to happen and initiate it. Listen, if you practice all of this, if you remember what I told you tonight, you can become a relationship communicator. Your communication can be relationship-centered and make life fulfilling. Hey, that's all the time we've got tonight. I want to appreciate you for listening to us on Marriage and Family Clinic. Remember, reach out to us, communicate with us. Email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Inbox me on Facebook. You can find me at Bishop Carl Hodges. Tune in again next week, same time, at WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. Or tune in at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. Thanks so much for listening in. Let us hear from you. And again, until next week, remember, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out. Thank <laughs> you.